0: Thank you. Appreciate that. What a great truth! The half hasn't been told, and boy, there's a great truth to that, really. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the Book of Acts, chapter number 18. Acts, chapter number 18, and uh, and uh, so we'll go back to that, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna study the Book of Ephesians, and I'm excited about it, to be honest with you. It's a fascinating book, and it lays great doctrinal foundations for many things, and is considered. Probably one of the, the best of the Pauline epistles as far as uh, information. Uh, and, and as we think about the uh, book of Ephesians, uh, it's helpful to understand the history and surrounding uh, the work that had been established there in Ephesus, uh, as well as Paul's involvement. It seems that Paul spent a considerable time there in Ephesus. And uh, so tonight we're going to look at Acts, chapter number 18. We're going to focus our study here. At, as a preliminary groundwork to the book of Ephesians. And this does take place in Ephesus. Paul had traveled there to Ephesus, and he was there with Aquila and Priscilla, and he was not there very long, uh, and, and, and then he left, and he left Aquila and Priscilla there in Ephesus, and he traveled to Jerusalem to, uh, to uh, a, a special thing that he was headed to, uh, a feast that he was headed to, and, uh, and then he comes back later. And so we find this story, really, uh, this historical account centers around Aquila and Priscilla, And Apollos that was there. So Acts chapter number 18 and verse number 24, the Bible says this. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord." knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come helped them much which had believed through grace." for he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Let's stop there and let's pray. Father, we thank you. For your goodness to us, we thank you for your word that we can study, that we can learn from God, that we can uh, draw historically accurate facts uh, of places. And Father, I pray that you would just uh, use me this evening. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts. God, I pray that we would learn from uh, this example that's set forth right in the beginnings of the ministry there in Ephesus. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. And God will give you the honor and glory for all that is said and done in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we think about this passage, uh, this is really the beginning of the work there in Ephesus. There was not a church established there uh, when they went. Paul diligently went to the synagogues. When he arrived to a place, uh, he would go to the Jewish synagogues where the Jews were gathered together, and uh, and they would take the the Scriptures that they had, the Old Testament Scriptures, and he would uh, they would read them, and then he would um, really show them and reason, the Bible says, with them from the scriptures and show them that Jesus Christ is God and that he is the savior of the world. That's what Paul did uh, very frequently in the many places that he went to. And so the apostle Paul went there and he was there. Uh, the Bible's words, It uh, I like the way it says it. Matter of fact, look with me in verse number 18, uh, because the Bible says, and Paul after this tarried there yet a good while. And then took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in uh, Sancria, for he had a vow. And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And uh, he eventually, uh, after he reasoned with them, he, he went elsewhere, uh, had a feast that he wanted to go to, but we find that Aquila and Priscilla were left behind there in Ephesus. And as we think about this, I, I think that's pretty neat to find all of this information, and I want to pull some lessons that we can learn uh, from Ephesus. I believe that Ephesus started as a place of correction and continuance and so really I've entitled the message uh, a place of correction and continuance by the way that ought to be a place for us as well Uh, we ought to find a place where we can receive correction and we can continue to serve the Lord That's exactly what took place here in Ephesus. What a great spirit that they had. I want you to notice this about Apollos. I want you to notice first and foremost his education. Look with me in verse number 24. The Bible says that a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. Now, Apollos was not a perfect man. There's no, uh, there, that is for sure. We find that. Uh, but I want you to notice this that he was mighty in the scriptures. Uh, listen, he didn't have the, the New Testament. Uh, he likely had only the, the Old Testament scriptures. That's what he had as a knowledge. Uh, I mean, uh, the, many of the scriptures had yet to been written or uh, really accepted as the Word of God in this time. But yet what he did have, the Bible says he was mighty in the scriptures. Well, if there's one thing that I would love, is that every person would be mighty in the Scriptures. How do you get to be mighty in the Scriptures? Well, I used to tell them in in Peru all the time, uh, you know, how do you get to be a a world-class soccer player? Or in America, we would say, how do you get to be a world-class football player or baseball player? You know how you do it? You work at it. And you work at it and you work at it. Some of those guys, uh, you know, you, you look at them and every, man, they're running around with a baseball glove and a baseball in their hand everywhere they go. And and uh, and every moment that they get, they stop and they'll throw the ball. They'll do this. They'll do that. Or they'll work at it. And listen, those people who get to be uh, to the professional level, uh, they don't just get there because of natural talent. Uh, they there's no doubt some of them have natural talent. But I can assure you this: even with that natural talent, they continue to develop themselves and work hard to arrive to where they're at. Listen, we're not going to be mighty in Scriptures unless we work at it. Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy. Flip over there with me and we'll we'll look at these verses. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Save your spot in Acts as we'll be back there. But 1 Timothy chapter number 4. The Apostle Paul gives uh, Timothy some exhortation and it's a great passage. 1 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 13. First Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 13. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy and, uh, and he gives him a lot of instruction. And he says this in First Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 13. He says, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation. To doctrine, neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. I love that verse in 13. He says, uh, till I come, give attendance to reading. Uh, Listen, you ought to pay attention to what you read. Uh, It's important to read the Word of God. It's important to spend time in the Word of God. Uh, Brother Tannis this morning said, you know, he doesn't, uh, he struggles to read through the passage. And I agree. Listen, you ought not just read through the passage so that you can check a box, but you ought to pray and say, God, help me to understand these things and uh, help me to, to remember these things. And there's something to be said for reading the Word of God that will help you familiarize yourself with the Word of God. And pay attention as you read those things. And learn and ask God to speak to your heart. And uh, there's another thing, and that's running rabbit trails. And that's certainly a good thing too. That's, I would call that study. Uh, and we ought to do that. Uh, but listen, we ought to be reading the Word of God. Um, if this is kind of an illustration that, that we've, I've used, I know, in the past. I don't remember if here or not. But uh, if you're driving down the road, and, uh, and the police pulls you over for something. And you say, well, I didn't, I didn't know that. The police is not going to say, well, you know, because you're ignorant, I'm just going to let you go. No, no. He says, listen, uh, ignorance doesn't mean that you're not responsible to do what you are supposed to do. It's your job to educate yourself. It's your job to read and understand and know what, what the laws say and what you're not supposed to do. And listen, the word of God is given to us. You and I, we live, we live in a blessed country. You understand that? You can go down to the Dollar General. You can go to Walmart. You can go to Ollie's. You can pick up a copy of the Word of God for uh, five, six bucks and have a copy of a good copy of the King James Bible, the Word of God, and, and have it with you wherever you go. Do you realize there's a lot of countries, there's a lot of places that don't have access to the Scriptures They just physically don't have it. When I was in Peru, that was one of the struggles. You just didn't go down to the bookstore and buy a good Bible. Uh, It was difficult. When we were in Italy, same thing. It was very difficult to get your hands on a good Bible. Why is that? Uh, I don't know, because they, they don't sell them. They're not available. But I can tell you this, that here in America, we have the Word of God. But it doesn't do us any good if we don't read it. It doesn't do us any good if we don't pay attention to it. And so uh, Apollos was mighty in the Scriptures. And we ought to read the Word of God. We ought to spend time uh, reading and, 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 and understanding the Word of God. Read it over and over. Well, preacher, I read through the Bible. Good. Read it again. It's not going to hurt you. Most things I'd say, uh, you know, moderate mo- moderation would be good. But the Word of God... Hey, listen, you cannot get too much of the Word of God. It's not going to harm you. Read the Word of God. We find uh, being mighty in Scripture requires reading it. Not only that, but notice in our text here, because the Apostle Paul tells Timothy here in, in 1 Timothy 4 and verse number 15, Meditate upon these things. It'd be good to take, uh, as you read the Word of God, and, and, and you're going through it, and just take a verse that God really impresses on your heart and say, boy, that's a good verse, and maybe even write it down and, and carry it throughout the day. Maybe even uh, put it in your phone and, and pull it up throughout the day and say, man, that's a good verse. Just think about what it means and how, it, how God can use that in your life. Meditate upon the Word of God. Find out uh, what does it mean and how it can be a blessing to you. Uh, Read the Word of God. Meditate upon the Word of God. In 2 Timothy, we of course have the passage that says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. We're talking about being mighty in Scripture. How do we be mighty? We read it. We meditate upon it. We study it. Like Brother Tom was talking about this morning in the adult Sunday school class and uh, sometimes uh, reading along, you see something, you say, man, uh, that reminds me of this passage over here. And you start running and, and tracking it. And listen, the Word of God goes together and, and studying the Word of God is going to help you to understand it those of you that teach classes or teach Sunday school or junior church or uh, other classes, uh, any class, I've often found in my life that the best way to learn the Word of God is to teach it. Because you've got to study it. You've got to understand what you're about to give out. And you find, man, uh, just studying to, uh, to be able to give it back to somebody else will help you. And so spend time studying the Word of God. Memorize the Word of God. Psalm one nineteen eleven says, "Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against Thee." I need to work in this area because, man, I, I struggled. I memorized a lot of verses in Spanish. And, uh, and I lost a lot of verses in English that I had memorized and, and I need to go, go back and re-memorize them in English and, and go back and work at it, but I'm just telling you, hey, spend time in the Word of God. Read it, study it, meditate upon it, memorize it. To be mighty in the Scriptures is to understand the Word of God and know what it's saying and be able to teach other people. We find that the uh, Apollos here back in our text of Acts chapter 18, he was mighty in scriptures. Boy, I wish that we had, I wish we would be as educated in scripture as some of the old time preachers. Uh, Today we have it so easy. I tell you what, you you do not even know how easy we got. We look up and I, I, I use a computer. Man, I can type in phrases. I can type in in quotes. I can pull an entire phrase and know where it's used. I I'll go back and I read some of these old time authors, uh, Matthew, Henry, Spurgeon. They didn't have a computer. And I think to myself all the time, all the amounts of work that they would do to, 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 uh, to write out messages and to recognize, oh, this phrase was used over here. How did that happen? They were mighty in the scripture. They spent time reading it. They spent time memorizing it. They spent time meditating upon it. And they uh, learned all of those things. And so we find that Apollos, I'm sure that he didn't have a computer. But he was mighty in the scripture. He had studied. He had learned. He had meditated He spent time in that scripture. Notice this in verse number 25. Not only was he mighty in the scripture, but the Bible says in verse number 25, this man was instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in spirit. Not only his education was in the scripture, but I want you to notice his enthusiasm. Boy, we could use some enthusiasm in our life about the things of God. Hey, listen, we ought to receive instruction. The Bible says in in Proverbs 8.33, hear instruction and be wise, refuse it not. Uh, Before you get too excited about things, hey, you've got to be able to hear the word of God and, and then be enthused and say, man, that really helped me. That did something for my spirit, and and we find here in verse number 25 uh, that this man was instructed in the way of the Lord. Hey, listen, he sat under teachings. He he received the instruction that was given unto him. We have four services every week, Sunday morning, Sunday, uh, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, Listen, I'm not just up here giving my opinion and and telling you about the weather and telling you about the politics and all of that. I strive to study to give you the word of God when we stand up here. Hey, listen, we ought to receive instruction. Paul has spent time. Receiving instruction, I've been going through and I think we're on a hundred and uh, I don't remember the exact number. I know we're up in 110 or 120 messages that we have been preached this year in our church. And I think about that sometimes, and I think 120 messages, uh, maybe it's 110, I don't know exact number, but, but around that, I, I, I log all that stuff and keep track of that, and, and I think to myself, 110 messages, that's if you're here every single service and you don't miss. That counts for our, uh, we didn't really have an, a night service on our anniversary Sunday, and those, that's all calculated in there. I, my thought is this, that's a lot of instruction, That's a lot of classes. That's a lot of messages. And my question is, is it getting in? Are we we absorbing it? Are we receiving instruction? Are we allowing it to set in us? Hey, we ought to receive the instruction. Here, Apollos received that instruction. And not only did he receive uh, that instruction, uh, but, but listen, he allowed it to influence his life. The more you get of the Word of God, the better off you'll be. A man stopped by the church the other day. I was here by myself. I was studying, and and, uh, and he rang the doorbell, and I went to the church. I went to the door, and, and I went out and talked with him for a little bit. And and uh, and I, he didn't have a car. He had, well, I don't know how he walked here or, or whatnot. And and so I went out, and, and they said, Man, I, I just want somebody to pray with me. I said, Okay, I'll pray with you. So I prayed with him. And I encouraged him. I said, I said, listen, I said, you need to get yourself into church. You need to get yourself closer to God. I was actually amazed because he told me things in the Bible that gave me a very strong indication this man had been in church before. He knew things about the Scripture and about the Old Testament and, and, and was very indicative of somebody that had, had, gotten, had been in church in his life. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you're right, I, I do. And, and I told him, I said, the Bible says in the book of James that if you draw nigh unto God, that he'll draw nigh unto you. But it looks like in your life that you've kind of left off God. He said, it's true. He said, I've got my life in a mess. I said, you know how you get it back? I said, you get back to God. You get back into church. You get back into the word of God. You draw nigh to him. Listen, the reality is, but by the grace of God, there go anyone in this building. If we walk away from God and we get away from God, hey, we could end up in the same circumstance, in the same life situation as any other person that's out there in the streets wandering around lost. And what I'm saying is we must receive instruction. Apollos received instruction in verse number 25. But notice this, after you receive that instruction, the Bible says, being fervent in spirit. His enthusiasm. Listen, fervent means earnest, excited, zeal, or passionate. He was passionate about the things of God. Listen, we ought to be passionate about the things of God. We ought to be excited about the things of God we ought to listen uh, church is not just some place that we come and well I got another service or man, I got to go to church or I got to do this no no it ought to be that we're excited to be able to get together with other believers to praise God with the songs that we sing and be able to listen to the preaching of the word of God that will impact our lives and change us for the better and help us in our spiritual life hey we ought to be passionate about those things the Bible says says in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Hey, listen, we ought to be passionate. And I know that sometimes uh, not everything is exciting. I know that sometimes, man, it can be uh, a chore uh, to come and teach a Sunday school class. And I know that not everything in life always goes uh, good. But I can tell you this, that we ought to have a passion to serve the Lord wherever it is. And doing whatever God would have us to do, fervent in spirit, being passionate about the Word of God, being passionate to receive instruction, being passionate to witness to others, being passionate to do what God would have us to do. And listen, he says here in verse number 25, this man was instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in spirit. He spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord. Listen, we ought to teach the things of the Lord. Hey, listen, the, the, the people that you work with, where, where, where else are they going to get the word of God? They're, they're not going to hear it from their other coworkers. I can assure you that. The majority of them don't go to church. They don't know anything about God. And listen, it would not be a bad thing for you to testify and say, hey, listen, God changed my life. And and man, boy, we had a good time at church this weekend. Just let them know that God is real and that he's alive and that you have a little bit of passion and a little bit of zeal in your life because God has changed your life. And let other people see that passion. Let other people see that zeal. Uh, There's no doubt that Apollos, he blew into town. And uh, listen, because he was passionate, he was fervent. Hey, listen, they took note of that. Quill and Priscilla, man, here comes a guy blows in and man, he is excited about these things. He taught other people. His enthusiasm, we see his education was the Word of God. We see his enthusiasm uh, was, was that he was fervent in spirit. Notice this in verse number 26, because the Bible says this, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. I want you to notice in verse number 26, his air that he had. Hey, listen, the reality is we're all prone to err. We're all prone to have mistakes. And this man, though he was educated in Scripture, though he was enthusiastic and passionate about the things of God, he was certainly an heir about some things. And we see that because Aquila and Priscilla instantly noted, hey, there's something off with this. There's something that's not right about this. And they took him aside and they expounded unto him. I want you to notice this. I just find this fascinating and interesting. The Bible says there in verse number 24 that he was born in Alexandria. I don't think God makes coincidences, but I can tell you this, that the scholars that constantly want to correct our Bible, they want to correct it with with manuscripts that they have dug up out of Alexandria. What is Alexandria? Alexandria is a town in Egypt. Listen, God never used anything in Egypt. The Scriptures weren't there in Egypt. Oh, they may have gone there, but they certainly were not uh, were not given out there. They were not from there. The Scriptures uh, come from uh, Israel. And, and listen, that is the place of the Holy Scriptures. And they want to take all these Alexandrian tra- texts and correct our Bible. And I just find it ironic that Apollos was from that place. And, and uh, listen, we have the perfect Word of God. We don't need it to be corrected from Alexandria, Egypt. We don't need other people correcting our Bible. Our Bible is fine. Isn't it funny that, uh, man, they're, they're coming out with a different Bible every five, six years, another copyright. and they'll, uh, I remember when, boy, the whole NIV crowd is, 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 was all upset maybe about five years ago. What happened? Well, they came out with the NIV. A whole bunch of people jumped onto the bandwagon of the NIV about, about 10 or 15 years down the road. They said, oh, we got a new update to the NIV. You need to, you need to buy a new one. And those people were like, we're not, why are we changing our Bible again? And listen, you watch them. That's the M. Listen, you don't need a new Bible. Hey, we've got the Bible. We just need to study what we have and understand the Word of God. I just find it ironic that this man was from Alexandria, and he was in air. I want you to notice that Aquila and Priscilla caught his air. Listen, I might not be the smartest guy in the world, uh, but listen, you ought to spend enough time, you spend enough time around truth, then listen, air will stick out to you. I've often heard it said, you, don't, you, know, how they, uh, you know how they teach bank, um, this is probably old, uh, old school, but uh, you know how they used to teach uh, bank tellers um, what fake money was? They just let them handle the real stuff. And listen, you handle the real stuff long enough, something funny comes by, you can feel it. I was in Peru, and, and, uh, and, and we had a, an, old, an elderly lady there, and, and uh, she, we all called her Granny. And she came up to me one day, and she handed me a $100 bill, U.S. $100 bill. She said, can you tell me if this is real? I know I more than touched it, and I was like, that is faker than, than plastic cereal. I mean, that, is, that was fake. I said, That's, she said, somebody gave that to me. I said, I'm sorry. I said, that ain't right. I was like, that is not a real bill. I could tell you, I I don't I don't know. I've not handled a lot of fake money in my lifetime. Not American dollars. But as soon as that thing hit my hand, it it just didn't have the paper wasn't right. The feel of it wasn't right. And and I I said, no, man, that that is a fake one hundred dollar bill. I'm really sorry about that. It's bad. I remember in Peru, many times, the, uh, there was a lot of fake money, even Peruvian solis, and, and we would go places, and, and because we were obviously not Peruvian, then, uh, boy, all the, uh, the taxi drivers, and a lot of times in the markets, boy, they would try and slip us fake money all the time. I'm not, I can't tell you how much fake Peruvian money I, I had run through my hands because I didn't know any better. But after I had been there a few years... Man, I started realizing what was going on and, and somebody going, give me a fake money. And I'm like, no, you change that out. And they were like wide eyed. They're like, oh, a gringo that knows our money, knows what's fake and what's real. I've been here long. I've handled the real stuff and I know what the fake stuff looks like. Listen, in Christianity, Hey, you handle the real stuff long enough, and you don't have to study all the, you don't have to understand all the bad philosophies out there. You just handle the truth long enough, when something bad comes through and comes down the pike, you'll know, hey, something's not right about that, and I might not be able to put my finger on it, and I might not be able to tell you exactly what it is, but I'm just telling you there's something wrong with that. And Aquila and Priscilla, their ears perked up. Man, this guy was mighty in the Scripture. He was fervent in his spirit, and he was enthusiastic in what he was doing. But when he started teaching, they said, there's something wrong here. They put their finger on it. They took him aside, and I'm glad for the spirit of Aquila and Priscilla because they corrected Apollos. Look in that same verse where we said in verse 26, in the middle of the verse, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Aquila and Priscilla weren't part of the cancel culture. You disagree with us, so go away. No, they were interested in helping Apollos to understand hey, listen, where he was wrong. Some people are simply not teachable. And I understand that. The Bible talks about that in the book of Proverbs. There's, I love the verse because it says, answer a fool to his folly. And then the following verse, it says, don't answer a fool according to his folly you got to be wise to know the difference because some people will not receive instruction but Apollos very much so was willing to receive the instruction and Aquila and Priscilla were quick to take him under their arm and teach him the word of God and give him the things that were not right in his life and, and I'm just saying that listen we ought to have that uh, that mentality that Aquila and Priscilla had uh, to, to want to correct and want to help and want to educate people and the word of God and certainly Aquila and Priscilla had that. And listen, Apollos obviously had a good spirit about him and he was a teachable person. Because he accepted that teaching. And, and we find not only did, uh, did they correct his error, but I want you to notice there in verse number 27, the Bible says, And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come helped them much uh, which had believed through grace. Not only his error, but I want you to notice his endorsement. Hey, he had a good spirit about him. And he received that correction. And they said, hey, we're going to endorse you. And they wrote letters. They they couldn't send emails. They couldn't telephone ahead to the disciples. They would have to write letters out and send them out to the disciples. And the disciples, when they uh, when they got those letters, because Apollos was disposed to leave. In other words, he was like, hey, I'm just passing through, and I'm not planning on staying in Ephesus. I keep I'm going to continue going on. But we find that hey, they said, hey, uh, Apollos is a good man, and he's mighty in Scripture, and he's enthusiastic, and and listen, he received the correction that we gave to him and he's willing to uh, to continue on serving the Lord. And so we find that they endorsed him and said, hey, to the disciples, spend some time with this man. And it would help, no doubt, when Aquila and Priscilla had written them, that they had been known, undoubtedly, to the disciples. And so, undoubtedly, then, Apollos was endorsed by them. But I want you to notice as well, we find his effectiveness in verse number 28. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly showing by the Scriptures, that Jesus was Christ. Listen, he was effective Not only that, but in verse 27 at the end, the Bible says, um, when he was come, uh, helped them much which had believed through grace. He was effective in helping people. He was effective in in teaching. Why is that? Because he was mighty in the Scriptures. He was enthusiastic uh, in the things of God. And he was passionate about God. And he received that correction well. and, And they endorsed him. And then he was effective in going out and ministering to other people. Not only that, but I love verse 28, that he mightily convinced the Jews... And that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. He would take the word of God and he'd go to Jew after Jew after Jew, to synagogue after synagogue after synagogue, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Showing that, hey, this Jesus, which was crucified, risen again, was the promised Son of God that would come to this world. And he wants to be your Savior. He had an effective ministry. And he reached many Jews. And he was an encouragement to the disciples. And we see all of this. It all took place in Ephesus. It all took place at the start of the ministry with Aquila and Priscilla that were there in Ephesus. Paul had traveled on. He'll come back. But we find it is a place of correction and continuance. Thank God that there's places like that, that there's people out there that are willing to help, to, to help correct and, and continue. Listen, God has, God has blessed my life. I said we're at message 120 or something like that this year. One time I sat down and I tried to figure out how many messages I'd heard in my life. And it's impossible, to be honest with you, between revival services, camp meetings, and, and, and all the places that I've been, and, and I thank God for it. And I say that not, 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 not to uplift myself, but to tell you that there have been a lot of Ephesuses in my life where men have corrected my thoughts from the Word of God and, and allowed me to continue in the ministry. Hey, listen, we need to be mighty in Scripture. We need to be educated. We need to be enthusiastic in the Word of God. We need, to, uh, we don't, we need not have air, but we ought to have the spirit that Apollos did and being able to receive correction. And then we find that he was endorsed, and then we find that he was effective in the ministry as he went out. So we stand to our feet, and our heads are bowed, and our eyes are closed in what part of that stage are you we ought to be educated in the word of god we ought to be enthusiastic in the things of god perhaps we've been corrected and we ought to continue in the things of god and and, and listen we ought to be effective in our ministry we do that by the word of god god wants to use you if you're alive and you're on this earth, and God has a purpose for you here to serve him. Father, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. God, as we look at Ephesus as a place of correction and continuance, God, I thank you for Aquila and Priscilla, their sweet spirit and their desire to correct Apollos, And expound to him the more perfect way of God. Thank you that they were able to spot the air. That they were able to help that brother. And see him continue in the ministry. God, I pray that you would help us to be, as Apollos was, mighty in the scriptures. Fervent in spirit. Moldable and teachable according to your word and effective in the things that we do. God, I pray that you'd help each and every person that's here. Mold us and make us, God, into what you would have us to be. God, I pray that we would be submitted to you, to follow you. We'll thank you for that. God, I ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play and our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, and maybe God's spoken to your heart. Maybe you say you need to be more mighty in the Scripture. Maybe it's enthusiasm. Sometimes there's no doubt we grow passionate, but then we grow cold. Maybe we need to work on our enthusiasm. Maybe it's receiving correction. Maybe it's being effective. Whatever the need, the altar's open. As the piano continues to play, the altar's open.